Welcome to This Week in Craft Beer, the podcast, the weekly show where we interview the people making the magic happen in the UK craft beer scene, sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. This Week in Craft Beer publishes the UK's leading craft beer newsletter every Monday morning by email. To subscribe for free, please visit www.thisweekincraft.beer. This Week in Craft Beer would like to thank our generous Patreon supporters John Stevens, Nick Flynn, Jamie Ramsey, Sue Johnson, Steve Hartley, Jazz Hundell, Phantom Brewing Company, Dolphin Brewery, Becky Bentley-White, Bayonet Brewing Co., Ryan Charlton, The Paper Mill Micropub, Doug Thayer, Robert Baker, Aid Bardi, The Sociable Beer Company and The Small Batch Brewing Co. I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast Andy from Dolphin Brewery based in Reading. Dolphin Brewery is a small batch sour focused brewery in the suburbs of Reading. Dolphin specialises in the production of high quality sour beers that are full of fresh fruit character. Their range of sour beers are released seasonally throughout the year with releases repeated annually. Andy, please introduce yourself and tell us about your beer journey which led you to launching Dolphin. Hi Rob, yeah thanks for having me on. I think my beer journey probably started in my mid-twenties. That's certainly when I started getting more refined in terms of the style of beer I was drinking and also the venue and I think kind of my passion for beer probably arose from um, attending Reading Beer Festival which you'll be familiar with. Definitely. Um, So Reading Beer Festival was a large or is still hopefully. Well if it ever comes back the second largest camera beer beer festival in Britain isn't it? Exactly Yeah. yeah so I went to the Reading Beer Festival every year. Mm-hmm. Um, I was pretty obsessed with it, to be honest. I, I, I went too. I, I've been for at least the last ten, I should think, maybe fifteen. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, so and I've got I've got a, a kind of a very big glass collection to <laughs> <laughs> to prove it. I haven't got those. No. Well, I, I had them, but I've, I've cleared out a lot of glasses. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I would tend to be there from the moment it opened mm. until the moment it finished, most of the weekend. I've often done two days. I sort of, I kind of you know do the first day and then maybe give myself a, a, a day off and then do the last. Session, yeah. Sort of you know because. It's hard to back-to-back days at a beer festival. It's real hardcore, isn't it? It is, it is, it is a bit, but I um, <laughs> I lived really close to it, and okay. so I kind of felt that if I had nothing else to do, what better place was there to be than next door at the beer festival? No, so, definitely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I really developed kind of a love of cask beer mm-hmm. there, and I think that's potentially what I drank most of in my mid to late twenties. Right. It was probably kind of early 2010, 11, 12 when the craft beer scene was kicking off in London Mm -hmm. that I started to kind of travel up there more often. I had friends that were living there and they were telling me about new craft beer bars Mm -hmm. that were opening and things that were going on. And um, so you was right straight on the case with the likes of Colonel and Brew by Numbers as they were opening, were you in in, in those years? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was, (laughs) but I, 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 I. T- to be entirely honest with you, I, I my, my friends were really into it, and mm-hmm. I was kind of dabbling a little bit and kind of becoming more and more into it. So um, I, I, I was still kind of a traditional cast well, drinker too. to some it extent. It took me until about 2015 really to see the light. I think um, if, if, if that you know, if you can call it seeing the light, it might sound a bit harsh on the cask beer scene. But <laughs> yeah, well, I think it's definitely seeing the light in terms of the, that kind of the range and extent of different beers that were were available. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, going to going to um, places in London, and then probably 
2013, I went to the McKellar Craft Beer Festival in Copenhagen. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that was the... That I'm was sure that totally blew your mind. Yeah. It, it really did. Hmm. I mean, I'd, I'd seen lots of kind of new beers and new styles as I started going into London, but that was just kind of another level. Wow. It was um, yeah, breweries from all over the world and just really showcasing what you can do and the level of creativity that yeah. can, can be in beer. So that was, that. I came back from that, I was fully converted at I that bet. point. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I was just... There's no, there's no coming back. You came back, but there's no coming <laughs> back from that really, is it? No, it, it, was, it was very much kind of, this is really exciting. This yeah. is kind of where it's at. And this is a start, start, style of beers that I want mm. to be drinking. I then actually this later on in that year as a birthday present from my wife now but my partner at the time yep. Laura she bought me a home brewing day at London Fields so oh, nice. um, London Fields was fairly new at the time yep. and, and I don't think there was too many kind of tap rooms at no, that I've, time they, they in were East certainly London. one of the first weren't they yeah yeah they were so we went up there and I was showing the, the brewing process mm. We actually got talked through each of the stages and the outcome was that we made a beer that we then took back home with us, allowed fermentation to finish. Yep. And um, three weeks later. Well, exactly. It was actually quite entertaining, kind of walking back from London Fields, carrying these big kind of containers of Mm. the beer all the way back to Reading. But Mm. it was definitely worth it. And that beer tasted pretty good and right. that's what kind of started the, the home brewing really so it's all laura's fault it, it, it is i mean it does definitely kind of pin back to that point and yeah. um, i did as many people do when they start home brewing get entirely carried away with it mm-hmm. i just wanted to brew everything and to improve my processes mm-hmm. and to buy bigger or better equipment in order mm-hmm. to be able to do that and so so you went fairly quickly into an all-grain sort of setup, did you? Or? I did, yeah, yeah. yeah straight, straight away, mm-hmm. because that's just what we were shown on the course, and, okay. I, and I was trying to reproduce that, really. Yeah. So yeah, it was a very basic kit, mm-hmm. but it allowed me to make fairly decent beer. But I, I really wanted to understand more about the process, and I was thinking about a career change at the time, because I was completely falling out of love with my right. day job. <laughs> and I was thinking, what can I do? differently and I'd had different failed attempts at trying to change my career and I was right. thinking is beer going to be the thing okay. but I was I was probably 34, 35 mm-hmm. at the time and I was thinking I can't really just go and get an entry level job in a, in a brewery, I just couldn't afford to no, do that. No you can't afford to, to take that, that money drop can you? So, really? so, um, yeah, so instead I applied to do a part time brewing science masters right. um, course which was not kind of an essential requirement for a home brewer to to by any stretch but I but I, I completely neglected to appreciate that that a requirement to do a master's level science subject which essentially it is mm. would be an undergraduate science degree yeah. um, which I didn't have but I impl- I applied with lots of enthusiasm on my application form and I, w- I received a course by the the, the, the guy who was convening the course yeah. and he said Andy I can see that there's a huge amount of enthusiasm in your application but when was the last time that you studied a, a science subject yeah. um, and embarrassingly for me that was at GCSE so, right. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway so I was allowed on the course eventually right. by he, he sent me some of the material mm-hmm. he, he allowed me to have a look to see if I understood it I right. didn't understand it at all but I pretended I did <laughs> <laughs> I got onto the course so uh, where was the course? Was it was at Nottingham. Okay. Yeah. Right. So it was, yeah. it was at Nottingham University. It was, yeah. it was a part-time brewing science master's. It was supposed to take three years. Mm. It, it took me five in the end. Mm. 
it completely took over everything because I also neglected to appreciate how much work was going to be involved. Yeah. And it was a, it was a huge amount of work. I it bet was, it was. Yeah. It's um yeah it did kind of take over everything for a period of time. Yeah. And um, eventually I I graduated, mm. and in the meantime my home brewing had kind of continued and developed yes, I bet it had, o- yeah. over that time. <laughs> and so it, it eventually reached the point where I decided that opening a brewery or, or commercialising kind of the setup that I had was the way to go right and slightly slightly kind of spurred on by the fact that I um, entered one of my sour beers mm-hmm. into a local home brewing competition right and local to Reading or not yeah to it was a local yeah. to, local to Reading one it was actually it was, it was actually run by the um by the Grumpy Goat uh, okay. beer and cheese yep. shop, which I now we'll, work we'll part time for. Yeah. yeah, but it was judged by local publicans, nice. and people in the beer industry, yep. and so it, it kind of gave, just gave me an extra endorsement that Absolutely. what I was doing yeah. was was pretty decent. So there are obviously a number of steps that I then had to go mm. through to commercialise what is essentially a residential garage into in, into a commercial brewery. <laughs> a single garage or a double garage? It, so it's just a single garage. Right. Yeah. So Dolphin Brewery basically. Um, emerged from the garage, which is right. where we were home brewing. And mm-hmm. I say I say we because the garage is at my parents'. Yes. House. Yeah. Brewing in a garage presents all sorts of challenges. Sure. Brewing in my parents' garage presents a number of other challenges. Yes, because it's not next door to where you're living. So it's well, exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. And 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 also, just whenever I go there now, it tends to be because I'm doing a, a brewing-related task, or yep. if something within the brewing process is annoying me, or if I'm getting pissed off about something it tends to be kind of um the, my parents aren't necessarily seeing me in the, yes you've got to <laughs> remind yourself you, you could actually pay, spend some time with your parents while you're there sort of thing without being cross or well it's that, yeah <laughs> but that, yeah that is definitely one of the challenges of, of, of being there well it's you know it's, a it's class, work to, to some, some extent, extent yeah, it's the home workers sort of dilemma isn't it is, is trying to get that separation from from your work life to, to your home life yeah it can be challenging yeah. well exactly mm. it, it is and it, it is one of the reasons why at, at some point moving out the garage is definitely on the cards. It's got to be part of the plan, isn't it, at some stage? Yeah. So Dolphin started in 2020, so mm-hmm. that was um, peak COVID times. Yep. I mean, we weren't impacted to any extent like a lot of the much bigger breweries. No. Um, because we were small, really. So When did you have your first commercial beer available? So that was around June 20, 2020. Right. Yep. Yeah, we, we started with an, an online sale from our website. Yep. We later started selling at Reading Farmers Market. Yes, and that's right. In fact, that's probably been quite a big part of you of developing the brand, hasn't it? You know, and the, the local awareness of it certainly is part of it. Yeah, definitely. It, yeah, I mean, I, we really enjoyed going to the local farmers market mm. sell our beer. It's a great opportunity for us to talk to customers about different beers and what they've yep. liked, and to get feedback. Obviously, we don't have a tap room, so that's a really good interaction for us to be able to learn about what people are enjoying. Just a matter of interest, to Mm. take a step back, when did you take a turn to the sour side then? So, in your home brewing? Yeah, so I always enjoyed sours, but when I was home brewing, I was kind of, I was brewing all sorts of stuff, Mm. to be honest. I definitely wasn't just brewing sours exclusively. But I think I was slightly spurred on by this brewing competition, Mm. which... I felt like I was onto a good thing to some extent. I, I, I brewed something and that had been well received, but also I wanted to kind of compete at a decent level with the style of beers that I was making yeah. from the garage. And I considered the sort of styles that I could make, and I knew I wasn't going to get access to kind of the best hops, and right. I knew I was going to potentially have issues with 
oxygen pick well, up and, and also the cost of the best hot you know the, the, not even necessarily the best hops but the cost of decent hops um, at the level that you need to dry hop to make a you know a beer that's going to please them. like to me on such a small scale is, is obscene isn't it absolutely so, so they're just never going to work is yeah it, commercially yeah i i just thought what can i brew that's going to work on this scale so here's a super non-home brewers sort of really naive question so how hard is it to brew a sour like you you brew compared to to an ipa on a homebrew kit or, or on, a, on a very small batch kit like that, yeah um i don't know i mean that, i i now have kind of worked out a process that oh, yeah. that, that works yeah. for, for, for my sours and i do it in a certain way that i'm happy with and i've kind of refined that over over time i guess if you focus in on anything in particular in time hopefully you'll be able to kind of like work out how, yeah. how, how mm-hmm. to nail it but the, the process of brewing at sours isn't hugely dissimilar so you're not are you and, and again this is another super naive question because i've haven't spoken to, to vault city i know that they brew a base sour which is more or less the same across their beers obviously there's a variance in abv but it's more or less the same base sour beer and then they fruit it to death um, <laughs> are you doing anything similar to that or is your process more integrated from one of the better turn of phrase yeah no it's not it's it's not too, it's not too dissimilar to that. I definitely have a base sour, right? So m- most of the, the the first part of the process is not too dissimilar, dependent on what beer I'm brewing. So right. we'll start with a fairly basic malt beer, yep. wheat malt, and, and pills the malt. Up until it gets to the fermenter, the process is is, is fairly standard each right. time. Okay. I then I don't kettle sour my beers. I, I I pitch both my yeast and bacteria culture in, right. into the fermenter. Yep. When I first started, I, I, I was kettle souring, but over time, I've just liked the character that I get from having all of the microbes that I'm using sure. in the fermenter at the same time, and then not having to go through that kind of boiling stage right. after you've soured. So yeah, so all of the microbes are pitched into the fermenter. They'll then be there's sometimes different yeast yeast right. sp- um, species I use, but they're, they're, it all kind of depends. If I'm doing something that's kind of a bit more tropical, I might try and use a yeast that's going to derive some of those those flavours. But I I also, I I want to make sure that the yeast is going to be able to work in an acidic environment. Right. Um, So it needs to be kind of a decent one that's going to actually actually work properly. And then at the end of, or the latter stage of the fermentation is when I add, add the fruit. The fruit is, and this this is something that we, we, we tend to use with almost all of our beers is mm-hmm. that we, we use uh, whole fruit or, 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 or fresh or frozen fruit right. kind of where, where possible yep. um, that involves quite a lot of processing, processing of, that, of, of, that, yes. of that fruit sure it does. Um, a lot of kind of chopping or blending mm-hmm. and mixing mm-hmm. and, and essentially I'm, what I'm doing is I'm creating my own fruit puree, puree. Yeah, yeah. 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 and that, I, I like that because it gives me kind of control over what I include and what parts yep. of the fruit I include and I like to include the skins for example if right. I'm using kind of stone fruit yeah and, definitely because that um, gives a whole another dimension yeah, to the flavor, doesn't yeah. it? yeah and um i mean for most things i would, I would include the seeds yep um chuck it all in i do, I do uh, the, the fruit is uh, there is another there is another stage to it where i <laughs> i should probably just interrupt this program recording to say that we are of course as people would have gathered from the sound quality recording live uh, andy we are in the garden of the nags head pub in reading where a dogfighter just broken out <laughs> never mind it will calm down in a minute and I, yeah up until now it was all going so well so yeah so the fruit is also pa- pasteurized so that, that's kind of quite a key point so it's pasteurized before i add it to the fermenter yeah i'm not looking to get any of the kind of the wild so having mashed it you then pasteurize it before you 
Yes, it's, it's vacuum sealed. So the fruit is vacuum sealed yeah. and it's pasteurized quite um, over uh, uh, the, the appropriate time and temperature profile until it's ready to, to pitch into the fermenter, basically. And when it's in the fermenter, yeah, it, we don't, we're not looking for any of the wild yeast or any of the bacteria. No. And that, that and and uh, because if we were, it would be a much a lot more variables. More, in, yeah, in it would, there'd be much yeah. more variables, yeah. and it would be a much more protracted process because right. I'd have to wait for a long time to be confident that those yeasts have finished doing what they're doing. Right. So sense. yeah, so we so we have to pasteurize mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and yeah, then the beer sits on fruit for a period of time, and uh, it, it, it's kind of minimum three weeks really. Right. Some sometimes longer. Okay. But rarely less time than that. Right. And I, I, I like the character of using whole or f- fresh or frozen fruit. Obviously, there is a challenge that awaits me when scaling up, which yes. is something that I do intend to do at yep. some point. The way that I process the fruit is entirely manageable on the scale that I'm doing it yep. at the moment. It's time consuming, but it's something that I can factor in. Yep. Um, but as, as, as we get bigger, um, I, I'm working on a way around that. And yes. I think it is possible i'm asking questions no one really does it in the in the brewing industry most people who make booster sales in in the brewing industry are probably listening to this and thinking that is a ridiculous way of doing yeah. it but um but I, I i am trying to kind of learn from other industries from there's like natural fizzy drink yeah. makers that use um, no, fruit there's quite a few around there, yeah, yeah there are yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so i'm asking questions yeah. and um, I, and i'm and because i'm going to build the future brewery with this as a fairly significant part of what i do right i feel like i can kind of factor that in and yeah you've got to, you need to figure it out at this stage don't you so that you can you know you, you can put together the right production environment to, to be able to, to operate as well. exactly yeah. yeah well let's talk about this first beer Andy because I've nearly finished mine you, you, you've, <laughs> you've been doing most of the talking so you've still got a bit left but this is Archer 2022 edition 5.2% apple and rhubarb sour and the tasting notes say Archer is our annual apple and rhubarb sour release this year we fermented on a single variety apple juice from the amazing Townsend farm the Jonah Gold apples used in this juice add a sweet apple crispness to the beer, a perfect match for the natural tartness from the rhubarb juice. Um, yeah, we, we chatted about this a bit before we pressed the record button. Rhubarb is, a, is an almost overwhelming flavour in its own right, isn't it? So I'm sure it's a, it's a tricky balance to, to get this beer tasting of anything other than super tart rhubarb on its own. Uh, but this is absolutely lovely. I mean, it's, I think it's a perfect beer for a, for a you know, hot summer evening which we're all getting kind of bored with aren't we not the beer of course the summer evening we're talking about you know we'll uh, you know when it gets to december we'll say oh mate that was good. yeah yeah <laughs> we we'll yeah. miss those summer evenings but right now we're bored of it um, <laughs> bored of it and could do with some rain <laughs> this is lovely i think that you know even though it's got rhubarb in it it still tastes it's still super drinkable you know i don't think any of your sours are overwhelmingly tart either i think you know you, you, you've got a nice balance you're not you're not producing um, I always use, you know, and people might be a bit surprised at this, but I think Brewdog overworks, and I know they're sort of almost like the unmentionable these days, but I think overworked sours are, have a particularly cutting tartness, don't they? Which I actually appreciate, and I've had some, you know, I think overworks is by far the best of the Brewdog output these days, but, um, you know, I sort of use that as my benchmark, you know, for sort of assessing sours, and, you know, you're not at that sort of super extreme level, are you? I think you're your sours are super drinkable still nicely tart and this is yet another really good example so what's the background to this Andy? yeah so so this is our annual kind of release but it's it's the second time we've done it but we, okay. we, we so yeah most of our beers actually incidentally are 
annual releases. Yeah, because I, like, I like actually. I, yeah. like, I like that sort of predictability of it to some extent. I mean, obviously, it's a different beer each year, and you're going to play with the recipe. And I know this year it's, it's a different. I don't think you've had a single. You didn't use a single variety of apples last year, did you? I didn't. No, no. no. I, I, I like I like releasing beers like this because hmm. it, it it kind of builds familiarity with that hmm. beer over time. But so also how many will you have in that in that rotation? Uh, I, I there's probably 12 or so okay. beers nice. that are re- re- yeah. released annually there's some that don't get re- released again <laughs> but there's some that I'm happy with and yeah. and the, yeah there's there's a couple now that are, have been released for their their third iteration nice. so yeah. um so yeah so this 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 time archer uses a as you said a, a single variety apple juice mm. which I which I um, source from from a farm in Herefordshire okay and also uh, rhubarb juice so we we buy the rhubarb and we kind of heat it to extract the juice and mm-hmm. we strain it and um so this is whole rhubarb sticks basically it is yeah yeah, nice. yeah. so there's about um if we say this was a 100 liter batch right of beer there's about 40 liters of juice that that goes into it so it's a, 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 what was the split, so a, a split between around 25 liters of rhubarb juice and about 15 liters oh, of, I thought you'd say the rhubarb the um we find that the app, this apple juice in particular was kind of pretty bold in in right. kind of like apple character. Okay, so, so it held its own. Sort of yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So the so the juice is added as in in, in kind of hmm. the way that we do all of our beers at the yep. latter stages of fermentation. Nice. And yeah, I I really like this mm. beer. It's, it's been quite a popular one. It has a nice like appley crispness, and that helps to, to kind of balance out some of that. Kind of tartness from the from the rhubarb. Yeah. So yeah, this is definitely one that's going to be coming back. I think it's lovely. Yeah. No, this is this is this is perfect. You know, five, only five percent as well, so it's not you know it's not going to well. It's <laughs> having you drink, of course, but you know it, it's it's a it's a nice summer thirst quencher. Yeah. I mean, we try and make all of our sours fairly drinkable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I know there's a whole kind of different way that people approach making sour beers but but our, our ones tend to be around five five to six six right. percent yeah i mean people aren't going to be kind of knocking this back by the by the pint but no. but equally it is something that i want people to be able to finish without it feeling like too much of a too much of a struggle they yeah. tend to be fairly light and normally packed with quite a decent kind of fruit character to them yeah but yeah normally normally kind of fairly fairly easy drinking yeah, no, I, I think this has worked out really well. And let's talk about the size of your kit. So, what have you got in terms of you know, production capacity, and what sort of frequency of releases are you, are you producing these days? Yeah, so we brew on a a, a one US barrel kit. Okay. So, it, yep. it, so it, yeah, so it's, it's it's not big at all, mm-hmm. but I can produce around kind of 120, 130 liters right. per batch. So, yeah, super small uh, releases. I mean, technically, I should be able to to get up to around 140, 145, but um, with the, with the amount of fruit I put in, I get get too much lost to ever kind of. So yeah, so I have a bright tank, a, a, a uni tank, a, a fermenter. I've just got another another fermenter actually, which I which I which I bought from Phantom. Oh, nice. Yeah, just it was one of their pilot pilot fermenters. Yep. I, I didn't need it at all, and I didn't really have room for it. No, but, and, and I, I certainly wasn't intending to buy more vessels at the size that I'm at because I was looking forward really in terms of kind of what's next rather yep. than buying more small kit yeah but um 
but I couldn't resist really. I was given. And you got room for it in the garage, or I've, I've, we've made room for okay, it. Yeah, nice. okay. yeah, we've made room for it. I mean, we're making that we're making the garage kind of work mm. fairly well with regards to space, yeah. as well as those kind of vessels which are used regularly for production. Right. I also have beers that are aging on different fruits right. and um, in kind of plastic kind of IBC type yeah. things, and um, so there isn't. And there's also there's also multiple fridges for trying to keep beer cold. And right, there is there is no more space in the garage. Basically. No. <laughs> um, and so, what sort of frequency are you releasing beers? We, we generally release a couple of beers a month. Right. Yeah. Um, it, 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 most of that beer goes into bottle. Yeah. But um, yeah, occasionally we've started to try and get some kegs. I know you have. Yes, that's right. It's been fun to see them start to pop up. Yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> I've, 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 I've obviously really enjoyed. I know. I think we exchanged messages when your first beer went into double barrel, didn't we? That, that you know that that was a landmark. Uh, it was occasion. Yeah. Wasn't it? <laughs> so that was that was just over a year ago. So that yeah. was about a year after we started that we first had beer yeah. on in keg. Mm. So they they were going to get one keg of beer which I was I was doing kind of just as a kind of an experiment experiment really yep. just to make sure that I could actually do it on my kit and okay. Mike from Double Barrel had talked me through the kegging process made nice. sure I knew what <laughs> and um, but then actually after I kegged that first keg my bot- bottling machine broke so I ended up having to keg the whole the whole, whole batch, batch. Yeah, so yeah. they yeah so they had a, a, a four four or five kegs of it right and I've done it that was they didn't they weren't troubled by that no in, no in no turn of events I'm sure so yeah since since then I've, I've um it, it, it's difficult to do too much kegging because I'm 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 trying to recover as much of the cost as, as yeah possible. profit margin on the bottles is obviously quite a bit better yeah isn't it? yeah and so really at, at, at my scale I need to try and retail as much of the bottles myself yeah. as I can in sure. order to be able to recover as much of the Keep cost the lights on. yeah but it's all it's always obviously great to have some draft beer well that's the way to really to, to build the you know the brand and, the, and get the message out there isn't it it's, yeah it's, you know, especially with the, you know the quality of beers that they're pouring in both double barrel and phantom these days when mm. you know when your beer crops up on keg alongside the, the great and the good that they, they're pouring then that's just a great thing to see i'm sure it is I'm sure it must give you a massive buzz to go oh, in there yeah. it really is i mean i've now had beers on most of the local tap rooms and like all, all of the good local pubs yep. and recently one of the kegs traveled a bit further afield to the to little earth projects oh recent, yeah recent festival yeah, yeah. So that was something that was um, yeah pretty exciting. I'd had I'd had a beer that I had been aging for a year. It's the first time I'd aged a beer right. for, for that amount of time. And um, yeah, we were going to take a, a, just a few bottles of it really to to Craft Theory Festival. Yeah. Just to be able kind of initial initial feedback. Yeah. And um, I think Danny Danny and Tom had seen us promote it on social media and sent a message saying. Oh, is there any chance you could bring a keg along? And, That's um, amazing. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I, to, to my instant reaction was kind of try and make an excuse not, not yeah, to because yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, I, I could see the list of breweries that were attending. Because that festival literally was a who's who of UK sour brewing, wasn't it? Yeah. No question. Yeah, it, it, it completely yeah. was. Yeah. It, it, and it, it was like all of the all of the kind of the mixed mm. breweries I, to, I look up to, to be absolutely to be perfectly yeah. honest. And so, so I actually said. Let, let's see how Craft Theory Festival goes. Let's see kind of what reaction I get, <laughs> and then um, yeah, and then, and then we'll take it from there. But I, I, I kind of, I'd got a bit more confident over that weekend, mm. and I took it up with me, and um, yeah, it actually went down really well, which was um, yeah, well, I was, I was really pleased about that. So yeah, yeah they, they, they sold the majority of it. I, I understand, and Brilliant. yeah, it was a, it was a great festival. Really was. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm gutted that I wasn't sort of on the ball and, and aware of that a bit sooner um, because. I, I think you know we we, we chatted about this, mm. but the, the the camping sold out really quickly. It and did. It's such a tricky place to get to, isn't it? That uh, 
you know, as if it had been in, you know, but easier to get to where you could book a hotel easily, yeah. you know, in the same sort of postcode, then, yeah, then yeah. it would be fine. But if, yeah. you, if you're not camping at, at Little Earth Project, you're, then you're really kind of a bit out of the way, aren't you? Yeah, so. Exactly. I, I was, what a lovely spot. It's so it's so nice. It's the second yeah. time I've, I've been. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it was great. Really, really enjoyed it. And, oh, that's yeah. brilliant. I mean, it's, it's fantastic for you to, to, to be pouring alongside the, you know, the, those, those breweries. It was, fantastic. yeah. And, and, I'm not at all surprised that the, the, the beers, you know, held their own. I, I don't see why they wouldn't. And you know, it was great. We'll talk about craft beer a little bit after the break. But you know, it was lovely to see you there with such a, a, a big range of beers as well. That that was terrific. But, uh, yeah, but that was our first in-person beer festival. So we right. we we have had. Um, we said sent the odd keg to other local kind of craft beer festivals. Yeah. And. Um, yeah, that was the first time that we'd had four beers pouring at the same time by ourselves. So yeah, that was that was really really exciting, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was good. But the, you know, the, the, your bread and butter is, is packaging into these rather rather attractive little brown bottles. Um, you know, <laughs> these are three three thirties, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they are. Yes, it's um. Yeah, I mean the the advantage of the advantage of doing some kegs is that mm. I I don't have to bottle as much. Oh, I bet, yeah. Because yeah. you've got the 120 litres, that's, even my math can stand up to that. It's you know, 350 odd of those little buggers. Yeah, it's, it, uh, <laughs> it's not fun. I can't, I can't, I can't kind of like package it in any positive way whatsoever. No, it's a whole day's work, Jimmy, is it? Or, yeah, it yeah. takes ages. I've, I've upgraded my kind of bottle machine since I've started and it's cut down it from like 14 hours to like seven, oh <laughs> seven God, hours. Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it takes a horrific amount of time and it's, yeah. it's just... Um, yeah, I don't enjoy it in the slightest. No. It's uh, it, it's nice to be able to to kind of um, yeah keg some every now and again just so that it reduces that that burden. Um, but yeah, as as we grow, considering kind of how I'm going to bottle, <laughs> it, it is definitely kind of top of the list yeah. of things that I need to make sure I can do more efficiently. No, no, definitely. I mean, you know, presumably you think about canning some of the beers, would you? You know, in in a you know future future larger production world potentially yeah i mean these are sort of things that i'm 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 kind of mulling over at the moment yeah thinking about what the future brewery looks like and how big it would be and packaging format and all of those sort of things is 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 something that is it's basically my current focus it's a it's a challenging time to be thinking about expanding a brewery oh certainly and writing a business plan for that and it's, it, can, it can be quite demoralising when I, I feel like I've kind of got to grips with the costs and then... And then interest rates go up half a percent yeah, like I did today. <laughs> and uh, I was doing some work on the business plan last year, which I basically had to throw in the bin yep. because the yeah all, all of the costs last year have yeah. I- increased fairly, fairly significantly yeah, sure. since then. So, yeah, yeah. yeah to, to get that the balance right in terms of what the future brewery looks like in terms of size yeah. so that it's um, big enough for it to be viable but yeah. not so big that it's kind of scary I from a cost perspective you know, and from the outside looking in an ill-informed view is you've just got to hunker down this year haven't you and you know, keep keep doing what you're doing on the scale that you're doing it this time next year hopefully you know it'll be a brighter outlook and then that's the time to start thinking about yeah it. i think that i think that is the plan and i i i, I um and I really need. I'm, 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 I've kind of. I've got. I've got a couple of beers in tank. I've got plenty of plenty of bottles really at the moment. And and so now's the time really for me to nail nail the nail the business plan in terms of the direction of travel. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, hopefully, as you say, next year, fingers crossed, the outlook might be slightly improved. Oh my God. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. If I'm <laughs> Who knows? But you know, I, I guess there's one, you know, one note, and I take no pleasure from what I'm about to say. But there will be significant number of 
lightly used second-hand brew kits <laughs> available at reasonable prices. I think in the next uh, yeah. in the next year or two, I uh, take absolutely no pleasure in that statement. But it is it's something to think about, isn't it? It's. Uh, I think that is yeah that is the sad reality of of, of where we of, of where we are really yeah. yeah. And let's take a short break. This Week in Craft Beer is sponsored by Them That Can, the premier mobile canning service in the UK. Them That Can deliver the machinery, labour, materials and most importantly the expertise to achieve a professionally canned product that keeps their clients happy. For more information about how you can get started with their amazing services, please visit www.themthatcan.com. I'm back with Andy from Dolphin for the second half of the show. Andy, you know what's coming. What makes you different? Good question. Well, I definitely say that kind of brewing in my parents' garage yeah. on the scale that I'm doing it commercially is <laughs> <laughs> probably one of those things. I, I do think that certainly at the moment there is a difference in the way that we're approaching the sours that we're making. Right. Probably not unique if you kind of were to look across the country or further afield but certainly in the kind of the, the style of sours we're, we're doing there is definitely something there I think that makes mm-hmm. it different so yeah so firstly we, we're obviously using fresh and or, or whole fruit and I feel right. like that character kind of comes through in the beers they're not too sweet um, no. they tend to be quite light but also kind of packed with quite a big fruit right. character yeah yeah I do try and like layer fruit flavor and kind of build complexity mm. without them being kind of too thick or too right biscuit because it's you know I, I, without I, I personally love those super thick smoothie type sours as well you know I, I, it's brilliant that we've got these range of, of beers to choose from but yours are definitely not those are they you no know, as you say you're, you're, you know the, these are nice light fresh Exactly, uh, yeah. Beers that, that are you know very very drinkable, but I know there's a massive cliche after cliche in that sentence, which I apologise for. But um, no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I think, yeah, you definitely. Know, you, you've got complexity of flavour, but they're still light and easy drinking. Yeah, I mean that there's there's there, I, I enjoy those beers too. I mean we've recently done a collab or a second second version of the collab with with Phantom, which is Echoes, right. and that is a a much thicker, more viscous puree kind of smoothie yeah. style sour and it's, it, it's great but it's um, there's a place for those yeah exactly yeah. And it, but it's um, it, it, it is different to kind of what how I'm thinking that I'm approaching the sour beers that, yeah. that I've been making and yeah they are as you say n- nice and drinkable mm-hmm. and light and, and with a decent fruit character I don't know if that makes them entirely unique but they definitely have a, a kind of a character, I think that rec- yeah. is recognisable for for yeah. I think that uh, an identity, a signature yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably I think that's probably the uh, difference. Maybe. Are you planning to play with the ABVs a bit more to, to you know at the session end and maybe also a you know a, God forbid a you know an imperial version? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I think that, that yeah, definitely is kind of as like. They'll, they'll always be kind of special because those will sell won't they yeah they will yeah. yeah there will definitely be kind of things oh, different ways that I will tweak it to, to make them different to what I'm doing at yeah. the moment I mean I am um, I don't think the ones that I, the ones that I release annually will stay kind of quite 
typical to the way that I right. like to make them. Yep. But I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, I've only really been doing it for a couple of years. I'm sure I'll get bored of that and want to <laughs> whack up the ABV and, and, and make them <laughs> really thick and, <laughs> and smoothie-like. But um, yeah, those, 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 those sort of beers will be done as, as specials, yep. I think, and, and, and kind of um, one-offs. But um, I, li I like having an identity in the way mm. that we do, do them. I, like, I, I try and kind of represent the clean and kind of crisp nature of the sours and, and the branding and everything that I'm doing at the moment mm -hmm. so yeah I think that's uh, that's at, at, for where we are at the moment and the kind of how long we're going for and the scale that we're brewing at yeah. I think that's probably the best answer I can give you I on think that that's good. No, I'm happy with that I think, I, I think it is this thing just whilst we're talking about the branding as well it, it is super clean but also very distinctive isn't it which I which I like a lot I think the the logo is really nice. It's just a single, you know, a simple line drawing of the dolphin, but but uh, distinctive. I like the, the colour on the on the labels there, it's, which is of course different for each beer. I think that that works really well, and you know, I'm sure it stands out, um, which is you know the whole purpose of, of branding, isn't it? Is is to be to be distinctive and easy to spot on the shelf, whether it's in a you know, pub fridge or a bottle shop, whatever. Definitely, yeah. I mean, Laura, um, my wife, who helps me with the brewery she's she's definitely takes a lead with the branding mm. and the kind of creative side and and, and, and social media and that and that's that she, she she has a full-time job but she right that that is in comms and branding and mar marketing and right. for, for the size that we're at, at the moment we have to build our branding and our labels without spending a huge amount of money oh, and and, yeah. and so they need to be something that's kind of identifiable and recognizable but also that's not going to cost us a huge amount of money each time we're doing a different label so yep. there has to be some tweaks and some variation but certain things that but are kind like of fairly consistent that, yeah, of course, yeah. Um, and uh, yeah I think that yeah the way that we're doing it at the moment there's definitely people will recognize our bottles yeah. for being ours and which that's, is uh, which is kind of what branding is about the really matters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you, you have produced a couple of stouts uh, is that still part of the future or, or is that sort of a is that a detour that, that <laughs> <laughs> a detour that's never happening it is, it is a detour that it, it is well it's not a detour actually we, we are definitely a sour focused brewery but yep. we don't entirely make sour so no. certainly when it gets not that I necessarily think that stouts are just for autumn and winter but mm. uh, we, we don't we do tend to make more of that style of beer mm. at that time so it's, uh, similarly I think people can drink fruit to sours all year round sure. but they become less popular oh, of outside yeah, of the, the summer yeah. months and so, yeah, so we do try and brew some other things, mm -hmm. and we, so we yes we we it t tend to be kind of stouts or, or saisons. Oh yeah, yeah and yeah, we brew yeah. saisons yeah. and and and, and wit style beers yeah. and, and and things like that. Again, it's all it's all beers that I feel like I'm comfortable with brewing on the kit right. that I'm br brewing at. It's also actually good for us to be able to offer something different at the, at the market because as much as we have regular customers and to, to be honest, we get certain, some people that buy our sours even though they're not really hugely into sours but they're just trying to support us so it's <laughs> nice to give them something different every now and again and so yeah we do try and offer some hmm. some some different things but it's the sours really that we're we're kind of building a name yeah uh, on and it's um and, and that's always going to be the kind of like the flagship style yeah. yeah no absolutely well we're on another sour this is soprano 5.6 percent white grape and elderflower sour the tasting notes say Soprano is a white grape and elderflower sour with a floral freshness that reminds us of late spring country walks, which I like. <laughs> in this year's version, we have used bags of fresh elderflowers picked locally in the morning sunshine. 
The addition of white grape juice works beautifully with the elderflowers. Grape skins add a pleasing tannic quality, which I can really taste actually, whilst a small amount of gooseberries add a note of tartness. Um, so this is another really nice, lighter sour, but lovely. The elderflower is really punchy, isn't it? You know, it's, it's uh, it and it's is. a subtle flavour. You know, I, I guess as, as kids, you know, you, occasionally you, somebody would inflict elderflower on you, probably your grandma actually. You know, it's <laughs> kind of like a, it was the squash that, that, that children wouldn't choose, but grown-ups maybe did. And so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I think everybody's kind of familiar with elderflower, but probably doesn't taste it that often as a grown-up. So it, it is it's sort of reminiscent of those days, to, 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 to my palate at least. But yeah, I think, you know, the, the grape and, and particularly the grape skins, I think give a really sort of nice kind of pleasing texture on the on, on the tongue and yeah gooseberries yeah gooseberries are another overwhelming fruit aren't they gooseberries and rhubarb are the two uh, the two most extreme um, of the UK fruits probably aren't punchy, they? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't need many gooseberries to, uh, to, to give it a punchy flavour but no another lovely beer Andy and another perfect hot summer evening beer so uh, yeah what's what's the background here yeah so this is again the second second time that we've mm. released soprano the first time we did it it tasted great it had a really nice kind of elderflower character balanced with the with the with the tannic kind of character you get from the wine uh, white grapes yep. but also um, but it had to be honest it looked horrific in, in terms of the color it was it was it tasted amazing yeah but it was it was brown it, it, i think it i was, had that last you did have it yeah yeah, yeah you yeah. did it was um it was just really murky it looked yeah. like pond water but, um, <laughs> but it tasted nice not a really pond water <laughs> it was very nice tasting pond water but um and i think the, the, the reason for that was that i used dried elderflower i used dried elderflowers okay. that I'd, I'd purchased and i and, and they were the, the, the drying kind of process of the elderflowers that they brown and I'd almost inevitable yeah, yeah. Well, most most sort of leaves would brown wouldn't they or flower petals whatever it's going to turn brown when they're dry yeah. exactly and it, it just it, it just turned it just turned the beer a brown yeah. color we got loads of great feedback on, on the beer but uh, lots of people said just don't look, don't look at it <laughs> Drink it straight out of the bottle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this this year, my main focus was to to ensure that that di that didn't happen. Right. And this is a much much nicer. It is. Yeah. A much this, nicer this is a pleasing. Uh, this is pleasing to the eye and yes, the palate. Yeah. <laughs> um, so these elderflowers were were fresh this, this yep. time, and that, I think that's that's kind of what solved that problem. Nice. They were picked locally to, mm -hmm. to, to Reading in the in the woods and. Yep. Uh, got uh, got up early on a couple of mornings. Learn how to um, that you need to pick elderflowers when they're um, well, yeah, when it's early, so that the um, so that they're full of pollen and they're, they're yellow. Right, the bees so haven't done exactly, their rounds yet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, elderflower time is kind of right bang in the middle of, of hay fever season. Yeah. I, I suffer horrifically from hay, oh, no. hay fever, so it was a real kind so of you had um, your mask on, did you? Uh, yeah, you I did. Yeah. yeah, it was. Um, it, it, yeah, it was. It was a uh, quite uh, an enjoyable. Uh, process picking the elderflowers until I started sneezing horrendously oh, but um <laughs> but the uh, sacrifice was worth it. well uh, yes yeah lots lots of lots of fresh elderflower in yep. this and yeah as you say there's um that that floral character is balanced out with the with the kind of the tannic character mm. that you get from the grapes and then that slight kind of extra sharpness that that, that is um is from the gooseberries so yeah we really like this one and yeah, yeah again this is going to yeah. be a this, this is, is this, this, this will be this will be coming back yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will be coming back <laughs> need to get somebody else to pick the elderflowers for you next i think year. i do and actually if i've if i've scaled up um I'm going to need a lot more elderflowers, which is, um, I mean, I, so I'm, I think I'm going to need a team of elderflower pickers yes. now. <laughs> Stick a post on Instagram, I'll show you, can round you up a, an elderflower picking yeah. posse. And you mentioned earlier on that you work part-time in the Grumpy Goat, which is an absolute Reading craft beer institution. 
So um, let's bring people up to speed first with what the Grumpy Goat is, and then let's talk about the exciting news that I saw on Instagram literally yesterday evening. Yeah, so I, I work part-time in the Grumpy Goat, and it's kind of necessary, really, because brewing on the sides that I do... Uh, unfortunately, is, is it's not possible to, uh, to for me to draw a salary from the from the brewery. So it's important that I obviously earn some of my own money rather yep. than being fully uh, reliant on Laura's salary. By Laura, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I work, so I do I do a, I do a couple of shifts a week in the the Grumpy Goat. And so the Grumpy Goat is a beer and cheese shop. Uh, also sells um, wines and ciders and and, and and spirits. And it's um it's been going for about eight eight and a half years. So it actually predates a lot of the lo- local breweries. Yeah, here. it does. Yeah, and they've seen yeah even breweries like sirens starting yeah and it started in 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 quite a small unit eight eight and a half years ago essentially this not too much bigger than a a large cupboard cupboard. absolutely (laughs) i mean you you know a a really charming little space in the harris arcade which is an eclectic mix of slightly odd shops isn't it um in in, not far from reading station that's right you guys relocated but about year 18 months ago yeah so it's about 18 it's about 18 months about 18 months ago that we've been in the in the new built premises and it's um yeah it's it's much bigger than that it's in a proper shop front now it is yeah and it's it's on two floors Mm -hmm. so there's more cheese there's more beer um um, and kind of a a much more kind of wine a lot more fridges a lot more fridges (laughs) um but there's also an upstairs and and the upstairs is is opening as a as a craft beer bar yes um yes very small very soon i mean there's not there there are there were there were great craft beer pubs in Reading, yep. and there's great craft beer breweries in Reading, but th- there isn't a, a great there isn't a lot of craft beer bars, and there was there's very little in the town centre. No, itself. absolutely right. That's what I was going to say. You know, and, and even if there was, it doesn't matter because there's always room for one more, and you know, and having two or three or four or five, it just it builds that community and it just brings people into the town centre. So definitely, I'm absolutely thrilled that this is happening. It, it, I mean, let's be specific, Andy. It opens to the public on Friday the 19th of August. That's right. Yeah, and super exciting. The first 20 customers in get a free pint. I saw a free beer. I should say. Yes. Yeah, I, I saw that last yeah, night. Yeah, that's so true. Instagram, so that's exciting yeah but I'm totally thrilled that, that you got this you know it, it's it's already been by far the best bottle shop in fact practically the only game in town to be honest with you in terms of craft beer bottle shops in Reading which is absurd in itself for the size of the city but it's just taken it to another level now to have some draft beer there so so how many taps are you gonna have yeah so there's gonna be eight eight lines of, yep. of craft beer Obviously, um, there'll be fridges upstairs as well, will there, for drinking in? Or, or are you going to have to go downstairs to get your, your cans to drink in? I, I think m- most of the beer is going to be downstairs, I think, just so, that, so there's not too much kind of s- space loss with seat, okay, yeah, seating space. Yeah, because, of course, fridges take up a lot of space. Yeah, yeah, yeah there'll be some kind of like wine fridges and stuff upstairs. Okay. But, yeah. um, but, and there, there'll be some... like. A small amount of spirits and stuff served behind right. the bar. Yeah. Obviously, all of the beers that we sell in the shop will also be available, available for drinking. In, yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, and I, I think they're still working out how it's we. It's got to be a corkage on top of the. You know, the There's the, likely the to be. A, yeah, yeah, there'll be a, 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 a small, a small yeah. corkage, and, and and I mean, all of our beers at the shop are kind of on 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 tap. So I think there's still some consideration of how we display a kind of a menu of what we yeah. what we have. Yeah, it needs, it needs um, be, yeah. But we are hoping that it's, we have lots of great kind of 750 mil like sharing yeah, bottles and yeah. all, all sorts of kind of beers that we're hoping mm. that people will sit down and 
and take the opportunity to share one of those with friends and mix that in with a couple oh, of like, draft so beers. It I'm absolutely thrilled that this is happening. So who's going to be responsible for ordering the kegs in? He's, he's obviously the so uh, the, the owners, uh, Anne-Marie and Charlie, mm. uh, they are going to be certainly running the bar to start off with. Right. That's, um, they're they're going to be looking after those, those sort of things, seeing how things go and yeah. then potentially looking at kind of like other options yeah. after that. But with regards, to the, with regards to the kegs, what we really want to do is be able to like, have beers on keg that you probably wouldn't find in a lot of the other local, local venues. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, with all due respect and as much as I love both the breweries and we're about to mention, it doesn't make sense to have four double barrel and four phantom beers pouring in, in the Grand Goat Tap because you can walk, you know, half a mile in either direction and, and get those beers, at, you know, at source. So, exactly, yeah. Uh, we support know, I'm sure all those guys understand that. Yeah, we support all the local breweries. I'm sure you sell a ton of cans. Yeah, yeah, co- yeah, of course. And I'm, 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 yeah, obviously where, where specials and things are concerned, yeah. there's likely to be a place for those but 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 but, but, i mean i don't imagine that that, that we yeah we're going to be having too much of the kind of the stuff that you can find elsewhere the whole point is to is to try and get something that's a little bit of a different offering to what you can find in other venues in reading so yeah i'm hugely excited about kind of the 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 beers that we're going to have in in um, keg as you said the grumpy goat is a reading institution really we've got got a huge uh, kind of following of people that are into craft beer that haven't really had a home in the centre of no. town to, to sit down and have, no. have a drink so we're hoping it's going to be um, a busy place. I'm absolutely certain it's going to be mobbed I really <laughs> have. No, I, I, just, I don't see how it can be any other way and it's going to be open seven days is it? Uh, it so it's going to be open uh, six days a week six so, days so right. the shop isn't open on the Monday right, so the bar won't but, be open But when the shop's open the bar's open more or less. Pretty much yeah. uh, well later actually so the shop Currently stays open till seven o'clock most okay. nights. The bar is going to be open till around ten thirty. Oh, so, 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 yeah. yeah. So we will be open into the evening, and and the shop will be open longer as well. Actually, so yeah. n- not as late as that. No. But it will be open uh, extended hours just so that people have opportunity to buy things. To whilst, buy, to buy, to drink in. Whilst yeah, they're or, there, or, or buy cheese to take home for yeah. dinner or whatever, whatever else. Um, <laughs> yes, and I've I've also got I've got a keg of mine lined up for the <laughs> opening as well, which is the it's the same kind of aged. Oh uh, my goodness! Did that, you sent a little uh, earth Yeah, oh, so there's wow, one one more keg of those, uh, one oh, more keg of that that I've been um, I've, I've been uh, holding holding for the yeah. for the opening. So yeah, it's going to be awesome great. news. Well, this is I'm so excited. I can't wait to see this. You know, two two weeks away. Less by the time this publishes, it'll only be a week away. So yeah, you know, anybody that is looking for an excuse to come to Reading, you know, this is your problem is now solved. Get down there. You're gonna love it. I guarantee that this is gonna become, you know, a big part of the of the Reddit craft beer scene, which is already becoming quite a significant event. You know, we, it's probably only fair that we should just talk briefly about the Nags Head as well. Soon as we're, you know, we're taking advantage of their hospitality today to record this podcast. You know, we're in the Nags Head Garden, which is, you know, up until pre-COVID was a car park. Um, <laughs> you know, and did an amazing job with this. I mean, you know, I'm just looking across it now. I can see what probably best part of 20 trestle tables in the back garden now. You know, the sort of six stroke eight person, depending on how friendly you are with your, with your co-drinker, trestle tables. This is absolutely a brilliant facility now, man, isn't it? You, know, you get table service out here as, as well if it's, you want it. It really is. I mean, the Nags Head has always been a great pub, certainly. Yeah. With, 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 well, the last 15 years. Since uh, yeah, the yeah. current owners have had it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, but it's... Um, 
but yeah but in, in recent times they've just done more and more things to improve it so there's more yeah. more cast line loads more keg lines well, loads right, more so, seating you know, so, so since I've since I've been coming here you know regularly for the last 10 years they've always had 12 cast beers haven't they I think they started off with a sort of a you know dip to toe in the water with, with keg maybe 6 keg beers on the board you know and then it's I think you know I, I looked at it on Antac this evening I think they've got 19 keg beers now yeah. so, you know, <laughs> they've really stepped they've really stepped, stepped it up and they're, they're just getting really interesting stuff mm. as well now so there's always a kind of a good showcase of like craft beer the great Absolutely. craft beer yeah. breweries around the country so yeah great pub and um yeah another another kind of another reason to come and come and visit reading <laughs> we should work for the tourists yeah, no, yeah i was just thinking that <laughs> but let's um let's get back to dolphin andy so we spoke briefly about craft theory um it's great to see you guys there you know as you said your first sort of proper in-person beer festival what else have you got any others to schedule for the summer so we don't have any more in-person uh, beer festivals, kind of in the immediate immediate future. L- largely, largely because it was it was such an effort to be able to produce that. Oh amount, God, that, I can imagine that much keg beer on my current kit that I feel yeah. like I need a bit of a rest. To be honest, <laughs> <Try> <laughs> rest till next summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we are we, we, we have we have got um, all the beers that were on at Craft Theory are, are going to be on at the Hoppy Places third birthday, okay. um, which is in their Windsor uh, Windsor. Yeah, of course, they just opened in Maidenhead. Yeah. Yes. Well. Yeah. Um, unfortunately. Uh, that's. I think that's probably going to have happened by the time that this uh, this airs. Oh, but, um, no. but also, um, we'll be sending a keg up to the Salford Beer Festival, which oh. we've been involved with in the last couple of years. Oh, nice. Um, it's been virtual for the last two years. The yeah. first year, we sent a beer up as a collab with Elusive. Mm-hmm. Second year, or last year, we sent a beer up in our own right, and right. this year it's, it's, it's no longer virtual. Um, and um, yeah, we'll be there in person. So. Beautiful. Yeah. When's that? That's in November. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, that's yeah, in that's November. Yeah, so um, yeah, I haven't quite worked out what that beer is going to be, but it's no. um, yeah, I, I, as, as far as I can tell, the Sulphur Beer Festival is just a, a really great event that gets lots of support from decent breweries right. and just really kind of authentic and but really good and just a really nice atmosphere. Great Manchester's got such a great stock of, of, of both traditional and craft breweries that you can't go wrong, really. Exactly, there, yeah. Uh, and we've got a few. We've, we, there's a couple of other kegs that have dropped out, dropped off in other other uh, local venues. The mm. Weather Station has got some, and the and nice. the Hive. Um, but yeah, that's that's probably it for festivals. I've, I've got a, I've got a collab on the cards, which is um, okay. Yeah, tell us about that. So so um, so I'm, I'm off to I'm off to Wilderness uh, oh, Brewery. Oh nice, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so I'm going to brew uh, a beer there with um, James and Helen. I had a great chat with James at uh, at Craft Beer. Actually, super nice guy. I've yeah, got, yeah. I've got, I've got booked on the podcast in a few weeks time yeah 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 we had a we had a a zoom meeting a couple of days ago to talk about kind of what that's gonna look like and um yeah i I did a i did a little trip around the country earlier in the year as a little research research project and right yeah um, yeah (laughs) uh just to visit visit different breweries to ask to ask questions Mm. and to um and yeah, well, I, went, I, d- I drove to Wales to, to mm. chat to chat to James. The future direction for that I want to take things in is barrels, and um, I was visit- visiting breweries with with barrels. Right. And um, yeah, really, really liked James. Really liked his setup. And uh, yeah, he was at Craft Theory, mm. and yeah, we, we decided. His are really good as well. So yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they are really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that that'd be good. Excellent. So, what have you got um, close to release, Andy? To talk about for you know next. next um, yeah. So we've got yeah a new beer that's going to be released this weekend. That's uh, called a Dreamer. It's a um, it's a kind of a wit style beer. Right. Again, with um, some forage elderflower okay. and um, some kind of Valencia orange. So right. So orange and elderflower kind of wit. Okay. Um, I have a I have a mango sour in in in, in tank. Okay. Um, currently, which is and that's. 
so so I, I, I have to quiz you a bit on that because mango mango sours to me are sort of synonymous with with the smoothie variant of, of, of sours that we were talking about earlier on so i'm curious to drink a mango sour in in the style of uh, of dolphin so so yeah, yeah, well, yeah that, yeah. that would be really interesting yeah it, i think it was it, it, it might surprise you because it has a it is it is exactly the same style in terms mm. of um in terms in terms of not smoothie like but it yeah. um but it, it's it's a real it's a punchy mango character a real nice. kind of fresh oh, ripe mango, yeah. mango mm. character to it I had the beer on on um, on mangoes for ages because because uh, I didn't really I didn't I didn't have any kind of uh, kind of urgency to right. to finish it so I thought I might as well just leave it on the mangoes sure. and it's really it's yeah it's got that real nice kind of ripe fresh kind of mango taste to Brilliant. it so uh, yeah so that 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 will be released soon the Brett aged yeah. uh, cherry sour that I sent up to Little Earth Project I only packaged half of that so there's another half of it that's still aging on the um oh, on cherries and, mm-hmm. and a- apricots w- w- is with that so that, that's that's going to be released um at some point <laughs> probably, yeah. probably around christmas time nice um and then i have another beer in tank as well which is um which has got some brett yeast and um to be honest i'm not entirely sure what that's going to be i'm probably going to put some maybe might put some peach with it it's, it's, okay. it's, it's supposed to be it, the intention is going to be quite tropical it's actually had some hops it might it might become like a, a kind of a peachy sour pale Lovely. type thing yeah, but um, right, right, <laughs> i'm going to see see what happens because yeah. i'm using um brett yeast strains i've not used before so right. yeah see i'll see how that turns out so yeah it's a few things a few awesome. things on the cards and then business planning which is going to be um t- t- taking up a <laughs> the rest of my time <laughs> i bet it will what's the best place for people to get their hands on some dolphin beers so we're always stocked in in, in the Grumpy Goat. They, mm. they have all, all of our releases, and yeah. they now do national delivery, okay. um, right. and that's across the, the whole range actually. So you can buy some beers, and you can buy some cheese, or, mm. or, or whatever you want. Nice. Uh, a, a, a hoppy place always has all of our beers, and they they they're also uh, national delivery. Yeah. There's also our our website and um, and. Uh, Farmers market, but unfortunately at the moment that is that really is just for, just for, for people who live locally. Cause yeah, we, you don't you don't deliver from the website. Uh, we don't, unfortunately. I mean, the website isn't always the workshop isn't always open either. We, no. we, we we do it by temporary event notices, and we open open periodically when right, we've got sure. stock. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, that's that, that's just locally. So so nationally, it would be uh, the Grumpy Goat and uh, fair and enough. Which is, yeah, both both very solid outlets. Easy to you know decent websites as well. So yeah, 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 they're they're great they're great places yeah. and and been and been really supportive to us since we started. Excellent. Then Andy, we are in the home straight uh, at this stage. Before I ask my two wrap-up questions i always ask the guests if there's anything that we haven't got to that you wanted to mention or raise in this conversation because now would be the time to do that i think i probably would just take the opportunity just to thank all of the other much bigger breweries that are local to me for all of the help that i've had um i mean i uh, there there isn't one of them really that hasn't helped in, in some way with regards to advice or yeah. or just allowing me to come over and kind of showing me how to do certain yeah. things that i'm not sure of or um quite recently with phantom i've just been using their cold store for quite a period I mean, of time they've got an embarrassment well, with cold stores don't they with those, <laughs> two units next to each other yeah they, they, yeah um yeah just sourcing things that i couldn't necessarily get for myself i mean yeah we are still a, a, a small brewery but we are getting a huge amount of help from from much bigger oh, ones and it, 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 yeah. it is really nice that they are they do see us as 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 kind of um, a brewery that is 
kind of more than just somebody kind of, somebody worth helping exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, so so yeah That's uh, nice. hugely uh, appreciative yeah. of that and um yeah we probably wouldn't have been able to kind of do some of the things that we've done recently no. including craft theory without that help so. no sure oh that's great to hear thanks and, uh, and, uh, I, I second those thoughts i think no we, we've a wonderful uh, community here in reading that we of, of, of amazing uh, gifted brewers but also all super nice people so definitely uh, so that's brilliant well with that said then let's get into the home straight and i start at this stage by asking you to give a shout out to the little guy you may be a little guy yourself but it doesn't mean to say you can't shout somebody else so who would you like to uh, mention in the local community is doing a great job promoting independent craft beer. I was wondering whether I was going to get asked that question being so, such a small brewer <laughs> myself. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would, um, I, I mean, I, I, I would definitely kind of shout out some of the some of our stockists yeah. local, local stockists so, so the Hive in Crow, Crowthorn yeah. mm-hmm. um, the Tasting Barn in Wokingham yeah. big shout out to the uh, new um, bar in Maidenhead Hoppy that the Hoppy Place yeah, has, yeah. has opened and um, yeah, Fidget and Bob, which is another place in Reading that stocks our beers. Yep. They're, they're they're essentially a, a kind of a, a cafe, really, but yes. they, they they have a small selection of of, of craft beers. So nice. I've, I've said enough about the Grumpy Goat, but also the Grumpy Goat. <laughs> <laughs> Not to mention all the local pubs that are stocking yeah, yeah, beers yeah. as well. But you know, yeah, we've, we've we've given some of those a plug already. But yeah, no, yeah, we've, yeah. we've a great uh, a great mix here in Reading. Yeah, um, we really do. Perfect. Well, then we are at the. Wrap up question, Andy, and you've heard this before. This is what would be your ultimate happy hour? Where would you be? Who would you be with? And what specific beer would you be drinking? Well, I've listened to this podcast pretty much from the beginning, so I, I think, I think I've, I've, as I've been packaging beer in the in the in the garage, I think I've listened to almost every episode. So I've, I've, I've heard loads of different answers to the, to this question, and um, yeah, as much as I I. I enjoy a nice pint of cast beer with 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 my mates in in, in a local in a, in a local pub, but mm. I'm not going to have that for this this, this answer because um, Good. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm picking my ultimate happy error over an actual thing that's happened that I would like to go and do again. So right. uh, yeah, a few a few a few years back, Law and I did a trip to the to the states. Yeah, we went to Hill Farmstead, which oh was which was a brewery yeah, that I yeah. wanted to visit for ages. I'm sure, we got an Airbnb that was as close to Hill Farmstead as we could find. Um, and then when we so how far was that actually? Uh, well, it was about <laughs> 10, 10 miles away. Oh, yeah, I was going to say. Um, yeah. <laughs> and when I um. When, when we checked in, I, uh, the first thing we said to the owner of the Airbnb was, we're, we're going to Hill Farmstead tomorrow, how do we book a cab? And she, she said, you won't, you won't book any cabs, there's no, there's no, there's no cabs around here. Because it it's in northern Vermont, it's, it's, it's in a very it rural really is a area, beyond, yeah. it is. And um, so, yeah, so we decided to walk there. So we, oh, wow. we, we, so we walked 10 miles. It was, it was really hot. Mm. And, well, good um, for you for not driving anyway. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd wanted to go to this brief and kind of having arrived there in the heat after a 10 mile walk. Yeah. Uh, you, had it's, the, it's, you, had, you had the thirst of ages. I very you, much sure, did, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's in such a beautiful place mm. and their, their beers are great. So I think my, my ultimate happy hour is that moment really only with a cab to get you home after uh, yes <laughs> well, uh, well on, actually on that we had to get um, the Airbnb's owner's friend Barbara to come and pick us up so that, that, oh, cool. that was booked at a certain time good but, for um, Barbara but we, we, I drank when I arrived actually a Citra single hot pe- pale ale uh, they, have, they have loads of loads of sours on which I worked my way yeah. through but that beer was just was just amazing and um, I was with Laura there was these incredible uh, lobster rolls that mm-hmm. were being offered as well so yeah Hill Farmstead with Laura uh, that 
Citra parallel with the lobster, the lobster rolls. That's my ultimate happy Honestly, this is going to be episode 120 when it publishes on Monday, Andy. And I think you just won the ultimate happy hour. I don't honestly think anybody else has given me a better answer. So, so congratulations. Absolute pleasure. Really enjoyed chatting with you this evening. Uh, not just this evening, but but you know we regularly be running to each other in Reading. I'm thrilled with with what you're doing. You know, there's always room for another sour specialist brewery, to my mind. Um, it's great that we've got one in Reading, and I just can't wait to see what you manage to accomplish in the next few years. But uh, I'll be here to support you all along. Cheers, Rob. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolute pleasure. Thanks, mate.